Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to church, everyone, and welcome to week number three in our series called Homecoming. We're just inviting you back, welcome to, welcome, welcoming you back. Glad to have those watching online. And um, we are just, you know, just walking through this new season of coming together, of learning and growing again, how to do some rebuilding. And so, um, you know, there's new things that are coming to us, new ways of doing things. And in in the spirit of new things, uh, there is an announcement that I want to make that I am a brand new grandpa. And Lisa is a brand new grandma. We are, we are proudly taking up the role as grandparents and are thrilled. And so this little baby, I, I hope you can see online, this little baby is, is Alani Luna. And she's perfect. Um, she was born on Tuesday. And she's absolutely amazing. And we're so thrilled for new mom and babe and uh, just consider it a real joy to step into grandparenting. So I'll welcome all the advice, um, but I'll take it via email so I can go back and read it, okay? Uh, it's great, it's great to start this journey as grandparents and uh, we're thrilled. I don't know how, uh, how I could be old enough to be a grandpa. I, you know, Lisa, you, you don't look anything like a grandma. I guess maybe I'm ahead of you, so. Um, anyway, we're just way too young to be grandparents, so I don't know what that means. It's just the way it is. So anyway, um, we're encouraged, we're excited. I also just wanted to point out some really solid mentoring that's going on in the house today. Uh, Pastor Lucas, can you and your protege just jump up here real quick, just so we can see what happens? Yeah, come, 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 come on up. Now this, this is, um, this is uh, Pastor Lucas. Um, who has always been leading our next-gen charge, um, and his protege, Brendan, um, they, they um, can you get a shot of that for the viewing audience? They, they didn't plan this, folks. Um, look, look, all the way down to the boots, can you, sh- I mean, they are, these guys, what's going on here? How's the socks? White socks? Excellent, you guys. I mean, I just love to see the mentoring happening there. Um, uh, you, you, you know Pastor, Pastor Lucas, but I don't know if, if you have met Brendan before, but Brendan, you probably met him but he, if you've been around a while, but he was much smaller. Brendan has been here his whole life. Uh, that's Brendan Machowski, and he's running our, our youth ministry and doing a fantastic job, and we're so proud of him. And in the middle of running our youth ministry, he's also doing his degree through Summit. I mean, he's just on his way and we're so proud of him. And plus he takes mentoring quite well. Hey, Lucas, it's really good. I wanna, I wanna jump into the message. I, I promise I'm not killing time. We're just, uh, we're just enjoying being together. It's so good. So I wanna, I wanna jump back into um, week number three in our series. And I'm gonna start with just this little idea. And that is that between our decision to rebuild things and the success of that rebuilding, there are some discouraging days. 
And I, I, maybe today's a great day for you. Maybe you're excited, maybe you're happy, maybe you're thrilled, maybe you're overjoyed. But potentially, and if it's not now, it will be sometime, we will face discouragement. That's just a part of life. So if you need to tuck this sermon away for another day, that's okay too. But it's, it's a good message for you. And, and you need to glean from it when the time is appropriate. So um, tuck it away or use it today wherever you find yourself. But for many of us, as we kind of come into the fall, we're kind of looking for a new start. We're looking for change. And maybe some of you have tried to make change personally only to find yourself fall back into old habits. Maybe you've tried to step into a new career, but the doors haven't really opened up. Maybe for you, it's, uh, you're, you're young and you've finished high school or, uh, you're, and you're looking to what's next in your career or to your life and you're just, you're just drawing a blank. Maybe you're in university or college and, and you're at that space where you have gone too far in a direction and you don't like that direction, but you're pretty committed. I know there's been some times where that's happened in people's lives or you've finished a degree and it doesn't feel like it's a path that you want to be on. I can, I can understand those challenges. You're building something and along the way, you feel like you're in, you know, going in the right direction, but there's some discouragement along the path between now and the success. And so what I want to look at with you today as we jump into chapter four of Nehemiah, is I want you to, to look with me at how Nehemiah continued, how he met discouragement, and how he defeated discouragement, because that, I think, is very, very important for us in our lives. So let's review for a minute. We're talking about the story of Nehemiah, who was this, um, this Old Testament character. He was the cupbearer to the king of Persia, and he had a burden in his heart for his own people. Their city was burned and destroyed, and he wanted to go back and, and be a part of the rebuilding. And so he, he mourned his losses, he prayed his prayers, as we talked about the first week. And then he got up and he said, I'm gonna go with courage to the king. I'm gonna ask if I can go. And all along the way, he was facing fear, and the king gave him blessing and poured out more, gave him the also, if you remember that from last week. And now we find ourselves looking um, at the storyline where the people have been inspired to rebuild. They start the work. They get the wall to about half of its height. They're closing all the gaps. They're putting all the gates in place. And it's starting to become now a secure place where they can monitor who comes and goes. And, and so they're in this really good space, but, and they're feeling like we're getting somewhere, we're building something, and we can do this. And, and then enters the antagonist, right? Every good story, although this is more than a story, this was a real account, every good story has to have an antagonist, and this story is not void of antagonists. The opposition shows up, and two characters that we'll reference today are Sanballat and Tobiah. Both of them were enemies of Israel, didn't like what Israel was doing, didn't want to see the success of Israel, was potentially part of the problem all along when they tried to rebuild back in the days of Ezra. There's always opposition, and when you're going to do God's work, there's going to be opposition. And the Jews, you know, they've been through a lot. They were weak, they're scattered, they're coming together, but they would be easily intimidate, intimidated and discouraged. And so Sanballat and Tobiah show up to do just that. 
And in your life, you need to understand, the Bible says that there is a spiritual enemy, that he's a roaring lion, that he's looking for someone to devour. He wants to discourage you. He wants to let his roar be heard and to bring you intimidation. And maybe that's been the scenario that you've been facing even recently in your own life as we're considering rebuilding. Maybe you're, you know, you're trying to rebuild that family prayer, put that back in there and you're not getting any buy-in from anybody or you're trying to make positive change at work and, 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 and you're finding resistance or maybe you're excited about doing relationships God's way now and, and all of the options are drying up. I mean, we can have discouraging moments when we set our hearts to rebuild. We set our hearts to do something good and then all of a sudden the natural response for us is what's going on here we just feel like maybe maybe we should just give up that's the natural response we start asking questions like am I doing the right thing am I pleasing God is God in this idea am I missing something and we get to that negative space where we start to doubt even what it is that God is doing in and through us. Even though we have a good, a solid burden, a prayer, you know, an encouragement from the Lord, but you get to this place and it just feels like opposition. And it's important for you to know this, that opposition comes even when you're doing something right. Opposition is not just for when you're doing something wrong. Although the Bible does tell us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There are times where we have to check our heart and it's okay to pause and say, am I in the right space? Uh, I, I think we can, be, um, we can be just as guilty of saying, you know, that everybody else is wrong and I'm right, right? Like um, uh, even if I am wrong, they're, they're wrong and I'm right. And, and, and that's pride and God will oppose that. But sometimes you're doing the right thing, you're on the right track, God's leading you, you're following God's heart, you're building God's church, you're loving God's people, you're, you're investing in the world around you, you're making, you're, your desire is to make a difference, and there is opposition. Because opposition shows up even when you're doing something right. It can do that, it can show up. And so when you're gonna do God's work, opposition is inevitable. I had the great privilege this week of hanging out with a young dad, a couple of young kids. And uh, we were just talking about life and he was telling me his story about how he came to Christ. It's a beautiful, dramatic story of God just plucking him out and putting somebody in his path that really led him uh, toward Christ. But he said to me, one of the things that was the most upsetting is when I became a Christian, I was excited and careful and talked to my community, the community that I had been building over many years. It was attached to my career and the direction I felt for my life. And as I began to share my faith, they actually all shunned me. Not only shunned me, but told me, you can't really do this work. You're not gonna be a part of this community. And so I had to make a complete shift and, and lost basically all friendship, all of the connection everywhere that he was planning to invest. You see, the truth is, is you're gonna face opposition. It's inevitable when you're gonna go God's way and do God's work. But it's not the end of the story. Let's look first at uh, what Nehemiah had to deal with. We're gonna look at Nehemiah chapter four, and we're gonna start with uh, verse one, but let me just say this. Your enemy will try to discourage you, firstly, from the outside. The, the outside in, if you will. And here's what Sanballat had to say, verse one. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, don't miss that, he brought the army out to make his accusations. I mean, this, this is pretty, 
pretty dramatic. The army shows up with Sanballat and he says this, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? He's, he's, now, he's now pushing back against the worship of the one true God. You can see the enemy at work here. It's so clear. Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? I mean, just everything they're attempting to do, like literally systematically attacking everything that they were attempting to do, burned as they are. And then Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what, are they, what they are building, even if a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Wow. That stings a little bit, doesn't it? That's, that's way worse than a your mama joke. I mean, this is serious. This is intense. This was, this, was, this was pointed assault against everything that they were doing. And there was this rage behind it. And sometimes in our culture, we come against that rage that says, don't you try to live God's law? Don't you try to live God's way? Don't you try to be, you know, have a morality that's somewhere other than where we want it? And there's a, a rage about that. But we've been called to rebuild and we've been called to build the kingdom of God based on God's word. And as a result, we're going to find that there is opposition because when you intend to do God's work, you will always face opposition. This external discouragement, it, it, I found that it really comes to me and probably to you in, in, in about two major forms, if you will. The first one that I'll point out is obstacles. Sometimes it just feels like, why is there a mountain in my way? Why is there a door that won't open? Why am I facing this obstacle? I want to rebuild my finances and, then I, and, 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 and try to get out of debt, but then my car breaks down. Or, you know, why is it that when I'm trying to lead my family spiritually, that's when, you know, uh, one of my kids rises up to tell me something negative? I mean, maybe, maybe you've been in those spaces. Maybe you're trying to turn your business toward Christ and your employees are so resistant and, and and, and, and even antagonistic about that. And you, you, kinda, you can kind of get in this space where you just feel like the obstacles are so big, how can I ever see my way through this? And external discouragement can also come to you in the form of criticism, where people really, like, like Tobiah and Sanballat, are speaking out. You know, maybe you feel called to do something for God. Maybe you feel called to minister to parents. And yet, you know, right when you just discern in your heart that's what you want to do, all of a sudden, you know, the, the criticisms come about the way your own kids are acting. Maybe it's the principal calling. Did you know what your son is doing today, right? I mean, it, it's amazing how criticism can come and land with us. You could determine that you're going to take a lower paying job so that you can make a difference. Maybe it's purpose-driven decision. And then the, the response from your parents who are worried about your future financially comes, right? Criticism can come in many different forms. It can, be, it can even be well-intended, but yet it still discourages, right? And maybe you felt like, I, I want to step out. I'm going to be a small group leader. And, and I, I've actually talked to a couple of our small group leaders who have had to fight through the discouragement of who doesn't show up. And I just want you to know that the truth is, if you're going to go forward, if you're going to do something for God, you're going to face opposition. And if you're going to lead, you're going to be criticized. That's what we're looking at right now, obstacles and criticism. You know, I love the way Nehemiah handles it in the, in the scriptures here. Because he doesn't answer them. He doesn't say anything. It's like he ignores the army of Samaria, <laughs> 
Like, beautiful day, isn't it, guys? Okay, let's get to work, right? He completely ignores them. He doesn't say, you guys are being so mean. Why are you so mean? Come on, guys, don't you know my heart? My heart is good. I want to do something for God. He doesn't look around to, to the other Hebrews and say, are we really doing the right thing? No. No, he doesn't. He prays and he gets back to work. He just goes back to work. That's what he does. He prays and he gets back to work. I remember when we first made the decision to go to a full-scale video ministry here at GT. And I remember it specifically because there were many people who said to me, that's a waste of money. And there were criticisms that came over the money that we spent, over the investment we were making. People didn't feel that it was a good use of money. But I really did feel in my heart that the investment, which was, at that time, it was like a quarter of a million dollars. I felt that the investment was necessary for where God wanted to take us. That, that was attached to our multi-site vision and all of that kind of stuff. But friends, I had no idea what was coming with COVID. And, and I got to say, I'm so thankful that we, as a church, decided to go ahead and push through the discouragement, push through the criticisms, and move forward. Because literally, even right now, there's hundreds of people watching us online. There's many people watching online as are in this room right now. And during the COVID lockdowns, there was thousands of people watching as, as far away as Australia. And I just believe that God knew what we needed. Aren't you glad we didn't cave to discouragement? Aren't you glad we kept on going? You see, there are times where you just have to keep going. You want to make a difference? When criticism comes, take it to God and just keep going. When you're doing God's work, opposition is inevitable. So you can be discouraged from the outside, but you can also be discouraged on the inside, can't you? You can also be discouraged from the enemy on the inside. And that's what happens next if you keep reading chapter 4. Verse 10, it says, meanwhile, in other words, like back at the ranch, right? It's like continuing the story here. Meanwhile, the army of Samaria is out there. Sanballat and Tobiah are barking. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, in the, in the, in the compound, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Poor Nehemiah. I mean, my goodness, he's got it coming both ways. But this is the way discouragement works. It comes from the outside. It comes from the inside. The whole goal is to get your eyes off of God and onto yourself. That's the goal. That's what the enemy's trying to do, to get you to look at yourself and what's wrong and what rubble there is and the stones that are not put back together instead of what's been accomplished and what God's up to and get your eyes off of God and put it on your ability and all of a sudden you'll be able to join the people of Judah and say, there's no way, it's impossible. And you become discouraged on the inside. So I ask you to reflect with me for just a moment. What's in your heart when we talk about rebuilding? We can talk about some of the things here at the church. Is it, is it small groups? Is it kids ministry? Is it serving on team? Is it being a part of worship? What's in your heart? Is it outreach? Is it missions through kingdom builders? Is it the, the, the building that we're building here? Is it giving financially? What is it that's in your heart about the church? 
Or maybe it's more personal than that. What's in your heart when we talk about rebuilding? Maybe it's your workplace or your friends who don't yet know Christ or your marriage or your own ministry calling that God has placed in your heart. But as you reflect on those things, here's what I want you to know. There will always be a voice that seems to speak from the inside out that says, what do you think you're doing? How, how do you think you can do that? That's been that way forever. What makes you think you can change it? It comes from the inside out. You can hear it in your head. You could never make a difference in that. You're just one person. This problem's too big for you. And all of a sudden, you can feel discouragement. It's like the people of Judah. You feel it yourself. You see, if you step out, you will face discouragement. It'll come in the forms of criticisms and obstacles. You'll feel it on the outside. You'll also begin to feel it on the inside. But I want you to know that it's not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're attempting to do something right. And discouragement comes. So let's talk now for the rest of our time about how Nehemiah defeated discouragement and how you do it too, okay? This is an encouragement for you. I really believe it. It's going to help you because let's look at what Nehemiah does. He says, after I looked these things over, <laughs> He's just kind of observing, okay, Judas over here, freaking out, there's an army outside, there's lots going on here. After I looked things over, I stood up, oh, I just love this, and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, I said it to everybody, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He just set the story straight. Give yourself a shake. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. We're in a fight here and let's pick up our weapons and fight. Why do you say that? Because there's an army outside. That's why. The army of Samaria is literally right there. And the rhetoric continues. The desire to come and fight against them is, is rumored out there. And this is what Nehemiah says. If this was New Testament, you know what it said? What it would say? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, right? Who can separate you from the love of Christ? If God is for you, who can be against you? That's what Nehemiah would have been saying. And that's what I would say to you to encourage you today. At some point, you got to stand up and defeat discouragement. The first thing that Nehemiah said to the people is remember the Lord. Oh, that's a good thing to do. Get your eyes back on God. That's what he's saying. You got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You got to turn your gaze somewhere else because right now your gaze is fixed on the problem. Let me stand up. Let me remind you to remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Nehemiah 4, 14. It's like he was saying, hey, remember your ancestors? Remember how they came out of Egypt? Remember what God did? Split the sea in half. They walked through on dry ground. Do you remember? Do you remember him bringing water out of the rock? Do you remember manna from heaven? Come on. Do you remember all the things that your God can do? He is great. He is awesome. Remember the Lord. This isn't some household God sitting on a shelf somewhere. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God who makes a way through the water, who brings fire at night and a cloud by day. Remember the Lord. 
I was thinking back to that young dad in our conversation because after the explanation of his journey of, of finding Christ and losing community, we kept the conversation going and, and he was telling me about the, some people that he connects with now very regularly, new community, people he talks to, people they, that he prays with, godly people who, who love him and, 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 and encourage him and pray for him. And they pray together. I just thought, you know what? What the enemy tried to steal in opposition, God has blessed and returned to you. And you know what? Isn't that true? It's Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus says, hey, if any of you have given up anything or anyone, I promise you, I promise you, in this life you'll get a hundred times and eternal life. Friends, the trade-off is really good, right? The trade-off is really good. There might be some discouraging days, but remember the Lord because he is able and he will rebuild and he will use you in that process. A few weeks ago, I asked you to consider a question when it comes to the battle in the mind. And that is, can I think these thoughts with God? But I wanna ask you a question today that goes with where we are right now. And the question is this, whose voice am I listening to? Sometimes you just have to pause and ask yourself, am I listening to Sanballat and Tobiah? And am I hearing the army of Samaria banging their spears and banging their shields? What am I listening to? What voice am I hearing? Am I listening to the liar, the enemy of my soul, the spiritual enemy? Or am I listening to the voice of the good shepherd who calls me into green pastures and leads me beside still waters? Whose voice am I listening to? And sometimes just like Nehemiah, we've got to give ourselves a shake and say, don't listen to them. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. So Nehemiah asked them to remember the Lord, but he also helped them fight off the discouragement by having them remember what they're fighting for. And that's the next thing you've got to do. If you're going to fight like Nehemiah did, if you're going to stand against discouragement, going to have victory, you've got to remember what you're fighting for. Friends, we're in a good fight. The Bible calls it the good fight of faith, right? We're in a good fight. We're wrestling against uh, spiritual principalities and powers. The, the truth is Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground. And we're fighting. And we need to remember what we're fighting for. And what did Nehemiah point out? He pointed out the family, didn't he? We're fighting for the family. This family, this church family, your family, we're fighting for family. We're fighting. He says, he, he says, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. You know, sometimes when discouragement comes, we feel like we should just go hide our kids and hide our wife and hide our husband and run. Run and hide. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to fight and fight for what's important. And so what does Nehemiah call them to do? Hey, there's an army out there. So I want you to have a, a sword in one hand and a trial in the other. We're going to keep building. And what's that a picture of, friends? Okay, this is an overused word through COVID, but just go with me for a minute. Pivot. That's pivoting, isn't it? 
That's pivoting. We were doing work this way. We were able to give our attention to it this way. Momentum was going this way. Then discouragement comes. Opposition comes. But we're not going to stop. We're just going to pivot. And we're going to keep doing what God's called us to do. So it doesn't look like it did before. It might feel slower. It might be discouraging. We might have liked it better the way that it was before. But there's an army out there. And we've got to do it this way right now. But let's keep fighting. Let's keep fighting. That really is the picture for us here. And, you know, there's this, there's this beautiful verse in Hebrews 12, and I, I feel like it's so connected to what we're looking at here. And, and, and as, I, as I wrap things up, I just, just want to encourage you to include Jesus in your fighting mindset. Because he's always our example. He's always our reason. And, and I just love, you know, we've been talking about opposition. I just love this little passage of verse from Hebrews 12. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's the end of verse one. And then it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Yeah, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Think about what he went through, the discouragement, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's victory. But then look at verse three. Consider him who endured such, what? Opposition. Opposition, that's what we've been talking about today, from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus gets it. Jesus knows about discouragement. Jesus knows about opposition. And the Bible encourages you to consider him who faced such opposition. Why? So you won't grow weary. It's an antidote for discouragement. Jesus, you know right where I am. You know the battle I'm facing. You know the mountain that I'm climbing. You know the prayers that I'm praying. And I fix my eyes on you because you are the one who pioneered and the one who perfects my faith. And I'm gonna consider you, Jesus, and what you did and how you lived because you went to the cross for me. Not only that, you defeated death for me. And not only that, I can consider how you walked out your life in the face of opposition so that I don't lose heart. What are you fighting for today? What is it that you're fighting for? Is it your marriage? Is it your family? Is it your children? Is it God's house and God's people? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Consider Jesus. See him. And let him capture your gaze. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord and fight. Let me pray with you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we do what your word encourages us to do today. We turn our eyes to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And in the middle of where we're standing right now, whatever it is that we're personally wrestling with, all that needs to be done here at church, Lord, we just... We just turn our attention to you. We just ask, Lord, that we would have encouragement from your throne as we consider you our precious Jesus. We remember you, Lord. Remember your great and awesome deeds of times past and we remember how you have rescued us personally. 
And we also believe because of those things and because of the way you faced opposition, we can win. We're gonna keep going, Lord. So help us. Help us to see our way through the discouragement and into success as we rebuild together. I just wonder if there's someone here today who would say, you know, uh, you're talking about remembering the Lord, but I, I don't have a history with the Lord. I've never started a relationship with the Lord. I don't have a connection to Jesus. I don't know what it means to fix my eyes on him. I don't know what it means to trust in him. Listen, I want you to know that today can be your day. Today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. In other words, the rescue of Jesus is always available for you today. And so at whatever point you're listening to this online or those of you that are here today, listen, you can reach out to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is a, a, a great rescue that belongs to you in Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, reach out to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. Let him take you by the hand. Let him lead you. And one thing I promise you is that you'll have a hope that lasts forever. You'll have a hope that overflows by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean everything's perfect, but it means that your companionship is genuine and you're never alone and heaven becomes your home. You simply say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Be Savior. Be Lord. Take away the shame of the past. Give me a bright future as I commit myself wholly to you, Jesus. You pray a prayer like that and Jesus is listening and he answers you says, welcome, welcome into your eternal home. Welcome into the companionship of Jesus. For those of us who are followers of Jesus and who are reflecting today on the battle that's in front of us, on this season and the challenge of this season, we just pray, oh God, that you would be our strength, our refuge. You would be manna in the desert. You would be water from the rock. You would be pillar of fire at night and cloud during the day. Lord, you would be our strength, our song, our salvation. We remember you, Lord, and we thank you for teaching us how to fight this battle. We pray that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.